Hey guys, before we get into the episode, it blows my mind that we're launching another podcast. And this time, I actually want to feature you guys as a guest. Now, if you're a six-figure entrepreneur who has your own podcast and you listen to the show, I actually want to interview you on our brand new podcast, which is called Six Figure Podcast Rebels. You just need to go to www.top100interview.com and you can apply to get featured. All right, guys, back to the show. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and thought, wow, I really thought I'd be further ahead by now? If so, you are not alone. I've spent the last two years traveling the globe looking for the answers. The problem is, it's fear of failure that was holding me and so many of you back. I realized that no one was telling the real story of entrepreneurship. So I flew to the US, decided to face my fear and go all out to build my million dollar business completely from scratch. But the real question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our online tribe and share the internet's top marketing secrets. My name is Jamie Atkinson, and this is the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement. What's going on, Entrepreneur Junkies? Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Atkinson, the Podcast Junkie. And today, I have a very, very interesting guest lined up for you. This guest I first came across months and months ago after looking all online at different online marketers. I actually met him in person at the GOAT Funnel Hacking Live event. He blew us all away with a ton of value on how you can use Facebook, Facebook groups, and actually sales psychology to help you close more deals. He personally helped me close a $6,000 deal last week on my first sales call, which is absolutely incredible. And he helps entrepreneurs on the regular bring in over 10K a month um, and using their brand and their products to help them get there in usually 47 days or less. Please welcome my guest, JR Rivas. What's going on, JR? What up, what up? Thanks for having me. Dude, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you because uh, you definitely have the reputation in the industry of giving the unfiltered truth, which I absolutely love. And uh, I see all the time and I follow your Facebook page and I love seeing all of the kind of controversial questions you throw out there. And I'm always super curious about the kind of way, the reasons why you do that. And I think a lot of it probably comes down to psychology. So I'd love to, I'd love to dig into that. But before we get into a bunch of questions about all of the tactics that you use and how you're best helping people and stuff like that, can you just give us a little bit of a background into how you got into the whole online marketing space? Yeah. So, um, I was in the tax business for a couple of years and I saw that the whole like brick and mortar tax business model was just shifting to online. So I ended up like wanting to get out of that and find something online. So I started a podcast. I started interviewing people that are making money online and uh, meet a guy who ended up like blowing up in the industry, taught me Facebook ads. And I was like, oh, I can do these Facebook ads for other people. So uh, I, that's kind of the path I went down. I started working with like chiropractors, um, grew that very rapidly. I would post my results. So then other people would ask me questions and, and how I'm doing what I'm doing. So uh, that led to coaching and courses and all this other different shit. So here we are. Yeah, dude, that's exciting. And one thing that I really love about a lot of your marketing is that you play on a lot of tropes. And I saw an email that came out just the other week that said, fuck Dan Henry. And I love that because I clicked on that thinking fully well, oh my God, Dan Henry was one of JR's mentors, like some shit's gone down. Like I want to check this out. And it was basically a pitch for a product. So can you talk us a little bit about that kind of that that kind of play on psychology and why you use it? Yeah. So I a lot of people ask me about 
about that email because they think that this was all part of like some big master plan or whatever. And literally I was just sitting at my computer that day and I was like, what could I do right now? That's really funny. That would make me laugh that like I would enjoy. Um, and then I was like, Hmm, I haven't promoted a dance course in a while. So I should send an email, um, acting like we have some sort of beef. And then I literally, I always just asked myself, like, what could I do in my business? That would be the most fun for me. And a lot of the time, something like sometimes that doesn't quite add up with like, what's going to make me the most money right now. But I feel like if I'm happy long term and I'm, and I'm having fun and I'm excited, then I feel like I'll make more money long term anyways. And I'll, I'll avoid burnout and feel more filled and all that as well. So there was no, the, like the, the premise of the email for everyone wondering, I was like, uh, seriously, the, the head, the, um, subject line was seriously comma, fuck Dan Henry. And then I was like, fuck this Dan Henry, dude. Here's what happened. When I was like 22, I met this guy. He taught me Facebook ads and I started making so much money so fast and so young that, uh, I didn't know how to act. I got really lazy. I got really fat, all stuff, which was like true, by the way, I just kind of like spun it into this email. And then at the end I said, Hey, uh, if you want to know exactly how I did all these things, check out this interview. And then I sent him to an interview uh, I did with Dan. It was like 30 minutes long. And then that sends people to his webinar to then buy his course. So it was just kind of like, uh, and, and people have done like, uh, I got, I got a lot of feedback from that email. Some of it, like 20% of it was hate. And then the rest of it was pretty positive. Um, but some people like, they're like, Oh, I, I, I hate when people do stuff like this. This is clickbait, blah, blah, blah. But I knew that the people that I really wanted to be on my email list would find it fucking hilarious. Cause I did. And I knew that it would far outweigh the good would far outweigh the bad. But I also like the, the caveat to that too is like, you have to be okay with the fact that a lot of people are just going to read the headline and not read the email, or they're going to skim the email. And like two years later, I'm, they're going to see me at a conference and be like, Hey man, what happened with Dan Henry? I saw that email you sent two years ago. So I constantly spread um, like misconceptions about myself um, just because I'm okay with like, I'm okay with that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm okay with people thinking shit about me. That's not true. Like it does just not bother funny, me one bit. Right. And, and, and yeah, <laughs> you kind of get a kick out of it. It's fun. I treat my life like it's just a fucking sitcom sometimes. Like I'm literally like, what would, like if I was in an episode of Seinfeld, what would make this funny right now? Or what would make this more fun? Yeah, and- I definitely like, I've definitely like listened, watched what you've put on Facebook. And I'm like, this dude is just sitting there and being like, what would be the funniest shit to see people go crazy? And and you're like that Michael Jackson gif where you just sat there like with the popcorn. like <laughs> crazy. Yeah, a lot of times I don't even, I say some crazy shit on Facebook and I don't even engage with the comments because that's like, that's just a wormhole. So, um, yeah, but, but a lot like the stuff that I post on Facebook is genuinely how I feel, but I know right off the bat that it's going to be controversial. Like, I'm not like, Oh, like, I don't know. I don't know like why people are acting this way. Like I just know how people are. And I've, I've learned enough about people at this point. So like the, the last post that I made on Facebook that, uh, got a ton of engagement was how I was saying how I think that porn is really bad for you, really bad for your brain if you're a male and it's the worst thing that you can do to your brain, uh, outside of like doing lines every night. So um, I pretty much say this statement. And the, the funny thing is like people take it so literal to the point where like, l- like pull, people are pulling up studies of like the, how bad cocaine is for you versus how bad porn is for you. And like, obviously like I didn't mean like doing coke every night is probably worse than porn. I don't know, but I just let that go on and the, the comments build and people start arguing with each other. So then when I do have some shit to sell, people are paying attention because they're just so used to paying attention to my stuff. Plus it's super 
authentic to me. And I, I also feel like having a platform, if I just try to sell stuff, it's it's kind of disingenuous to who I am. But if I kind of spread the stuff that I believe in, like I do believe that porn is really bad for you as a male. I got so many messages from people saying like, hey, I was addicted or, or like whatever, or like at the very minimum, hey, you made me reconsider my actions. And that's it. So I don't go out, I don't set out to change anybody's mind. I just kind of present what I need to present, plant a seed, and then it's up to everybody to do their research or do what most people do, which is just act like a little bitch and go back and forth in my comments. But I guarantee <laughs> you that that, got at, that post got at least one person on the right track. Yeah, 100%. And actually that person may have been me because we read that and I was like, huh, I wonder if that would make a difference. We, me and my girlfriend were like, hey, let's stop doing porn for a while. And like four or five days later, we're like much happier. Like it was crazy. And we were just like, <laughs> can you believe that shit? Like, is this for real? And we're like both like, wow, this is so weird and confusing. Like I never thought. And uh, yeah, so we've definitely benefited from that post, man. Yeah, That's awesome. Like, I didn't even know that. So thanks for yeah, sharing. Yeah, dude, like helping me in sales and in, in my relationships. Like all I need you to do now <laughs> is buy me a boat or something and then I'll be like super happy. So, that's cool. So I, I really love this kind of authenticity that you're kind of speaking the truth. W was it always that way for you? Were you always putting yourself out like that? Hell no. I used to be like, I used to have crazy social anxiety. Like I used to be in line at the cash register at the grocery store to check out. And in my mind, I'm rehearsing what I'm going to say. Like, am I going to say hi? Am I going to say, hey, am I going to say hello? If she says, how are you? Am I going to be like, good? How are you? Or am I going to be like, I'm having a good day or I'm great or whatever. So I would literally think about this so much that by the time I'd get up there, I would like trip over my words from just trying to rehearse it so much because I just didn't want to look stupid. So, um, and, I, and then I always just, when I did start getting the social media and stuff, I always just played it really safe with the things that I said. Um, it was never like polarizing one way or another. Even if I felt strongly about something, I would try to frame it in the way that's going to hurt the least amount of people's feelings. Um, now I've, I've just been through like a crazy transformation and it all started in April, 2018. Um, I like went through a breakup, which led me to like, find like what the fuck actually made me happy. I stayed with some monks at a monastery for a week, um, which I've now done three times and with no technology, no nothing. So that really forced me to like look at myself and realize that I need to learn how to be 100% happy and complete with myself. And even if I have no money, even if I have no girlfriend, even if I have no fucking like anything that I could still be happy. So then I found, so then I went on this whole journey of like, okay, well how, like how, like who, what would the person that I need to be? Who is that person to where I could be happy with that person all the time? So I was like, okay, well, number one, that person has has to be funny as fuck because that's the only way that I'm going to be entertained. So I literally like developed this like fucked up sense of humor that uh, it's so extreme sometimes. Like funny story, like uh, Wait, two, you went two always, inches. You went always fucked up. That's that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So I was I had suppressed my personality so much to fit into like society's mold. So a couple weeks ago, we were in Denver with my friends, and uh, this is an example of like the fucked up humor that I purposely do to constantly check in and make sure that I'm okay with being judge. So like we're in, an, we're in an Uber and uh, I, I like I'll call the Uber. It's like me and three of my friends and uh, the Uber driver has like 10,000 rides. So I was like, Hey man, I see you have like 10,000 rides. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, Oh no shit. I have 10,000 rides too. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, just not in a car. <laughs> then, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Oh my. So then the other day, me and my girl were, uh, we went and she loves cooking and shit. So we go in like a cooking store and then like father's day is coming up. And uh, the lady, they put people at the front to say like, Hey, welcome to the store, blah, blah, blah. So the lady's like, hey, just so you know, like everything's 20% off because of Father's Day. And then I look at her like dead straight face and I was like, I never met my dad. <laughs> she's like, oh my. Like she's like so shocked and flabbergasted, which I have of course, but um, she's just, like so shocked and flabbergasted and I just owned it so well. So 
the question then becomes like, what, like, what the fuck does this have to do with growing a business until you're okay, hundred percent okay with yourself and okay with being judged. You're not going to be able to be a good leader because when it comes to having to have that difficult conversation with an employee, it's going to be hard because you're going to be afraid to be judged. And that was me for a long time. When it comes to doing things that would grow your business or campaigns that would grow your business, I hear it from clients all the time. Like, Hey man, can you make that copy like a little bit nicer, a little bit more straight edge or, um, that, that pictures or this is a this line could be interpreted a little offensively or whatever. And I'm literally like, dude, just tell those people to fuck off. Like, who cares? So I feel like if, until you you can be authentic and, and be yourself, which is not like most people say, oh, just be authentic, be authentic. And that's a lot harder. It's, a, it's not just some, a switch that you flip. It's like a journey that you go on to really learn like who you want to be and be okay with being that person, whether people reject you or accept you and people will reject you. So how do you, how do you take that first step down that path? So, cause there will be people listening right now who are like, yeah, I hear this all the time, be authentic, but like, what the fuck does that look like? How do you get there? I mean, not everybody is going to be able to do what you did, JR, and, and go and live with monks, but what would be like the steps that people could take to start to figure out what is authentically them? Yeah. So if, I mean, I think everybody should do the monk thing. It's, it's really inexpensive. It's like, uh, it's like 500 bucks for a week, three meals included per day, room and board. Um, they have them all over the world, everywhere from Thailand to France to um, the one I went to was in California. Um, so if anyone is interested, deerparkmonastery.org. And I'd rather you guys go to them and have that experience than buy anything from me. So I'm not even going to shout out any of my shit. But that experience just allowed me to sit down without technology and really just observe myself and observe my insecurities and really kind of point it out the thing, the shit that I'm insecure about. So the first step is really just knowing what you're insecure about. So I was insecure about being judged. I was insecure about like, like not being able to find love. I was insecure about feeling like maybe I couldn't love another person. So all these different things and observing those things and then deciding if this is how you want to feel. Because people say like, oh, you can't control how you feel. But what I learned from staying in a monastery for three weeks over the last year is you can control how you feel. You can replace your your feelings, literally. So perfect example, um, before I went to the monastery, I thought that there was two options. Um, you could either suppress your feelings or you can act on your feelings feelings or express your feelings. But the monks taught me that there's a third option. You can transform your feelings. So if you're feeling jealousy or you're feeling insecurity, you can literally transform that into the new emotion that you want to feel. So the way that you do that is number one, like I said, like, let's say that you, let's say this is something that, uh, let's relate it to like relationship. So in a relationship, you, let's say jealousy comes up, which is an emotion that comes up all the time in a relationship. Number one, observe that emotion. Number two, acknowledge the fact that it's normal. And this is not like an, uh, this is a normal human thing to feel. And then be like, okay, what would I want to feel instead of jealousy right now? So maybe gratitude. So then you think of like three things that you're grateful for, right? So you do that. So you've conditioned your mind to when the situation happens, the, the default emotion is jealousy, right? So by doing this now, when this happens, so anytime jealousy comes up and this, you have to do this over time. So anytime jealousy comes up, you think of gratitude, you shift your focus to gratitude. So let's say something comes up with your partner and you're like, oh, that was like, that made me feel kind of jealous, but I, I, I wish I didn't feel that way you shift it to, well, these are three things I really love about my partner. I'm really gr like grateful for about my partner. You shift it to that and then you 
do that over and over and over again, anytime that you, you're conscious of that feeling, and then eventually that feeling will come up and gratitude will trigger automatically out of habit because you've solidified that habit. And it'll be so much so to the point where it'll change from when that situation happened that would normally trigger jealousy. Now it's going to trigger gratitude instead because you just reconditioned your mind over time. So that works with anything, right? So if you're feeling, if there's a, a certain emo, a certain thing that comes up that you feel insecure about, shift that to what do I want to feel instead? So let's say I want to feel confident. Okay, so what's the time that I felt confident? How did I feel? And, and try to trigger that emotion. And then you do that over and over and over and over again. And you've literally reconditioned your mind over time to now feel confident in the situation where you used to feel insecure. So by doing that, you literally start to recondition your thought patterns. Um, and, and I learned part of this I learned from Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's like this neuroscientist dude. And one of the things he says is that um, neurons that, that fire together, wire together, or that wire together, fire together, something like that. So essentially, by doing this, you create new neural pathways and new sequences in your mind to that, that you literally rewire your brain and become a new person. So now things that used to give me anxiety or fear or doubt or insecurity now just give me like a bun, like a feeling of abundance or gratitude or strength. So it's, it's, and it's really interesting too, when you, when you look at this over six months and you're like, fuck, like this situation that used to happen, like my, my girl used to do this thing and that used to piss me off so much. But now instead of getting pissed off, I like, you know, pick her up and spin her around because I'm just so grateful that she's there. So it literally will change your life if you just understand this thing. And this, and the other thing is like, this is going to fuck, this is going to piss some people off. But I, I first started to notice this when I noticed that monks take the oath of celibacy, right? So they don't fuck. Priests take the oath of celibacy as well in the Catholic church. Why does the Catholic church, nothing against anyone who's Catholic. I, I don't give a fuck about like your beliefs. I, I love all human beings the same, black, white, Chinese, Catholic, Christian, Mormon, whatever. But why does the Catholic church have a, why do the monks that practice this like thought and feeling transformation not have a problem with uh, like sexual misconduct? And the, the, the monks don't have a problem with that, but the Catholic church does when they both have the same oath. So obviously it's not like a human thing. It's a learning how to deal with urges and literally transform them. So it works the same with sexual urges. So like I said, like I was talking about porn and shit earlier, people were like, oh, well, it's a natural male thing to want to like beat off and stuff all the time. Well, yeah, you can also change. You can also change how you feel or how you can change your feelings so that you can transform them into something more productive versus just acting on it every time and getting that that quick hit of dopamine that's not good for anything. Yeah, that's interesting because it's it's and it, it sounds like the first step for any of this is really just to have that awareness of all right, well, what am I feeling? So you know, apart from going out and, and doing that stuff with the monks you were talking about, what's the what's a really good first step that people can do to try and center themselves and, and think about well, what am I feeling? Where am I at right? Just being aware, like on a daily basis. I constantly check in and I'm just like, if I feel if I feel so most of most of us go through life like kind of baseline and then throughout the day there's experiences that either make you feel happy or make you feel anxious or, or sad or whatever i am just very aware to the point where I'm, I'm i try to pay attention to my feelings throughout the day so if i do feel an emotional spike positive or negative i'm like oh this is interesting like what is making me feel this way why am i feeling this way do i want do i like to feel this way or would i rather feel something else so i really just kind of like and this happens like while i'm driving while i'm walking like while I'm eating. So just random stuff throughout the day. Like um, today I had, I was sitting in my car talking on the phone and uh, this homeless guy comes up to me and he, he signals to his wrist. Like if he wants to know the time. So I tell him the time and I know he's going to ask me for money. So he's like, Hey man, can I get a couple of 
dollars. Like I'm living on the street, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, I don't have any cash on me. And he's like, all right, well, can you buy me like some food over here? And I was literally about to go into Chipotle. So I was like, all right, whatever. Just let me finish my phone call. I'll meet you in there in like 10 minutes. Um, but while I'm sitting there on the phone, I see him do the exact same thing to like five other people, like the same like watch thing, like act like he's acting for the time, looking for the time. So then I, I sat there and I was like, oh, that's kind of fucked up. But then I sat there and I was like, okay, well, why do I think that's fucked up? Why, like, why does that, like, why does that cause an emotional spike? Or like, why does that make me feel one way over another? And that's, that's an example of like a really small thing that most people might just kind of feel that and then just glaze over it because it's not super significant. But I just ask myself constantly, why do I feel this way? Because that's how I get to know who I am and what I like, what I really want and what, how I really feel about stuff. And then that translates directly over to business because the number one thing that kills startup entrepreneurs is lack of focus. So if you can build, and this is something I still struggle with to this day, but I've, I'm getting way better at. Um, so if you can build up that self-awareness, you can know what you actually really want, and then you can focus on that. And then that will essentially lead to achieving your goals and, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's interesting because I look at a lot of um, successful actors, actually, and I look at people like Chris Pratt and Chris Hemsworth. And one thing I've noticed is that they frequently on Instagram, in real life, like on press tours, when you see the real them, they are like having fun with every situation. Like Chris Pratt is playing with like his Lego toys and like giving voiceovers and impersonations. Like Chris Hemsworth is like just cracking jokes with people all the time. And you can look at them and you think, wow, they're like living their their kind of truth. And, and that's obviously what they get a kick out of. And it was interesting that you said that you focus now on just doing what you love and having that kind of, oh, what makes me happy? Like what, what, what am I going to enjoy in my life? And, and it's interesting you said that it's not always what's best for your business. Like, can you, can you think of a good example where you've prioritized being happy over making a good business decision? Um, hmm, shit, probably all the time. Like, uh, we lost, so I'm, I'm a partner in this coaching program called um, Mentor Lab. Yeah, and, I've, uh, uh, spoke, to, spoke to Colton actually, and he was telling me about this, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. So one of our business partners is Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank and all this shit. So we had somebody cancel the other day. Um, so it's a monthly membership. And they said the reason they canceled was because there's been an, uh, a lot more cursing on the calls lately, which I've only been on. I know he's talking about me because I'm the only one that curses on the calls and I've only been on recently. So um, this dude canceled because he said, I, I try to be mindful of cursing and like, oh, my kids are in the room and all this stuff. And that's an example of like, oh, if I just didn't curse, um, that guy probably wouldn't have canceled. And, and maybe who knows, maybe there's other people that canceled because of that. But I know the calls aren't going to be as good if I don't curse because I'm not being as authentic. And if I, if I'm stopping myself from being myself, that's going to, that's going to stop me from giving the best advice that I have to give on these calls. So, uh, and that's another thing. Like people are like, Oh, uh, like my kids don't, shouldn't hear cursing. I don't feel like that's bad. Like, I don't feel like if your kid curses, I, I honestly don't feel like that's going to make their life any better or worse. And I, I just feel like as a culture, we just put so much, I just don't value a kid not cursing. Like that's just not like, I'd rather my kid not curse. I'd rather my kid curse and be a genuine good person and stand up for what they believe in and other people than not curse. And there's plenty of kids that are assholes that don't curse. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And, and Gary Vaynerchuk says the same thing. Cause I remember watching an interview where someone asked him outright, like, why do you curse? And it was the same thing for him. He's like, well, I've got to be authentic. Cause if I'm not authentically me, then I'm not going to give the best value. And, uh, yeah, I, I love that. And so that's, that's a really good example actually, where you've got to st stand by your values so that you can deliver the very best. Cause you're right. It would be so easy. And even it would be easy for the other people who you're in that team with to say, Hey, JR, could you not curse because someone canceled because of it? But I imagine that they probably didn't even ask you that because they know that you're living that kind of authentic version of yourself, right? Yeah, I was honestly kind of worried that that they would. And then we'd have that conversation. Um, but they didn't. 
they were just like, hey, man, we need to like be ourselves and decide who we are and all this stuff. So I was like, wow, like this is awesome. Yeah, I think that's good in like business partners as well, because you can tell that they truly value you for who you are. And they probably, <laughs> I have a feeling that before you hire someone like J.R. Evis, you kind of expect that, well, is our audience going to get pissed off if he swears? And would that worry us? So I'm sure they already went through that in their mind and the benefits definitely outweighed the con, which is cool. Yeah. One, thing, one thing I love that you said was that businesses are kind of like relationships. And I just want to dig into that kind of psychology a little bit, because I feel like a lot of people can draw similarities from that conscious kind of mindset between the two. So do you do, you yeah. do anything about this? Yeah, hundred percent. So um, here's an example of, so I, I honestly feel like in your life, you should always put yourself, you should put yourself first in your life. Like your purpose should come before your family and your spouse. And that sounds crazy to say because you like everybody just gasped and was like, oh, wow, what a fucking self-centered asshole. <laughs> but listen, if you are not living in your purpose and being your authentic self and it's and the reason you're not doing that is because of your family or you're, you're, you're sacrificing your business to spend time with your family, you're not going to be happy. You're going to start to resent your family and you're not going to be able to show up for them anyways. So I'd rather spend one hour a day with my kid. I don't have any kids yet, but I'd rather spend one hour a day with my kid and work at my purpose the rest of the time than spend four hours a day with my kid and then start to hate my kid because, and people are like, oh, I could never hate my kid, but it happens all the time. People resent their spouses. People resent their kids. It's secret resentment that's deep down in the pit of their heart, but they do. And this is why, because you hear it all the time. Oh, if I didn't have kids, I would have done this thing. That is resentment towards your kids. And people don't look at it that way, but it 100% is. So the, the way that I look at this in, in business is like, if you're always putting yourself and your purpose first, you'll always do what's best for everybody else. So here's a, here's a direct parallel to to business, to relationships. I told my girl, hey, you never have to worry about me cheating on you because, and not because I'm such an amazing person, but because I wouldn't cheat on you because I know that that would fuck up my self-esteem and how I feel about myself because I'd be like, wow, I did this really shitty thing. Like I'm such a piece of shit, right? The exact same thing. So that's me putting myself first, but it also makes the relationship better and benefits her, right? So the same thing goes in business. If you always put your business first and what's best for your business, what's best for your business is doing what's best for your customers and creating the best customer service experience and the best product. So if you are so selfish that you put your business before your customers, your employees, everything, you will by default do what's best for everybody else because that benefits the business. So if you always do what's best for yourself, you build, you get your mind right, you build your business, you take leisure time to yourself, you uh, take time to work out and build your body up and, and do all these different things, you're going to be really, really happy. So in turn, you can show up for the people in your life as the best version of yourself as well versus if you constantly sacrifice time for at your business or, or stop going to the gym to hang out with your kids now you're just going to resent your kids because if you're like if I just never had these fuckers I'd be ripped and I'd be making millions of dollars right so I honestly would rather have minimal time with family that's extremely quality and I'm living in my purpose the rest of the time because I know that those even if I only get 15 minutes a day they're going to be the, the most impactful 15 minutes and I'm going to show up because I'm so fulfilled every in every other aspect of my life. Yeah. So if, if you're an unclaimed child of J.R. Revis and you want 15 minutes of quality time, just send a postcard to Entrepreneurial <laughs> Movement and we'll connect you with him. Um, doesn't think you exist right now. So no, that's cool, man. And that's really interesting because I love that parallel between business and yourself, putting yourself first. And interestingly, I know that you, well, have helped me with my sales coaching, but there's also parallels between sales and just talking to people. Have you got any fun analogies between that and say like talking to a girl, for example? Oh, hell yeah. So... <laughs> I said nobody, that one up. 
like, <laughs> one of the things I always say is like the desperate guy at the bar never gets laid. So the same, nobody wants somebody that anybody can have. So the same thing goes for sales. Like if you're trying to sell someone and you're being extremely needy, needy and you're um, saying things like, I, like, I don't even like yes trials. And I, I learned that from listening to the book, um, Pitch Anything. He says, yes, trials come off as needy because you're asking the prospect for validation, right? So you're like, oh, does that make sense? Like, does this sound good? Do you see how this could work for your business? Blah, 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 blah. Like constantly doing that, you're just constantly seeking validation. So the way that I like to do sales is come is what's called uh, from the, the prize frame. And this is all in the book, um, Pitch Anything. He, he covers all these different frames. So it's from the, the place of being. So in what I do and, and probably what most people do that are listening, one client is not going to change your life. But it is very likely that with the knowledge that you have and the skills that you have, that you can drastically change a client's life. So I, why does it make sense for you to be needy and constantly be chasing clients and sell from a place of need and, and a place of lack if you have the goods? Like you're the hot girl at the bar in this situation. But most people sell like they're the the desperate guy, right? So um, I sell from a place of like, okay, well, I, I set the stage for the call and I, I let them know like, hey, here's how this is going to go. Why did you choose to reach out to me? So I make them kind of prove themselves to me. I ask them a bunch of questions about their business and I genuinely qualify them. And I'll say like, if I, if I ask a question, I'll, I'll literally, and, and, and they're, I don't like their answer. I'll say, Ooh, I don't know if that's going to work. Or I'll say something like that because it's true. Like if I will not sell somebody that if being the sales guy that will sell to anybody is like being the guy that will sleep with anybody. Nobody wants to be with that guy. Right? So if you just set up some standards and you have some qualifiers and you literally will are willing to say, no, I'm not going to sleep with you or no, I'm not going to sell to you, then you are more likely to attract the right people, right? And you're li likely to attract more quality people and you're likely to get more sales because people see that you're not desperate and you're willing to walk away from the situation. So that's how I like to, to position my sales from a sense of, from a place of like, I, I can change your life, but it's very unlikely that you're going to change mine with your money. So if your money is not, is if this isn't going to serve you, then I'm not going to sell you the same way as like, if this relationship's not going to serve both of us or serve you, then we're not going to be in this relationship, right? So it's the same exact thing. And there's a million other parallels like that in um, like another thing that I would say is like, all right, if you don't want your wife to leave you, you have to constantly game her even after you already have her. And that's what big mistake most people make is they just get complacent in their relationship. So the same thing happens with clients. Like you get a client, you're with a client for like six months and then it gets complacent. So I constantly try to court my clients. So um, we will send them something or I will uh, do something for them or suggest something that they didn't, maybe they didn't see before to, so that it builds up my value and lets them know that, hey, even though you're still paying, you've been paying me this, this amount of time, I still care about you and I still want you to do well. So by approaching it from that that sense of like, I constantly want this to get better, um, it makes for a better client, you know, client agency or client partner relationship, um, just like in regular relationships. Relationships. So if you constantly look at it as like, okay, like I approach everything the same way. So I don't approach fitness differently than I approach relationships differently than I approach business. I look at them all as like the way to win in all these different aspects is the same way. Like you have to get good at the fundamentals. You have to commit. You have to constantly work on it. You have to make it a lifestyle, like all these different things, right? So the biggest mistake I see is like people will look at like, here's another thing, right? So people say, hey, don't worry about like the fact that you're you're like 27 and single, the right person will come along when the right person comes along when it's meant to be. So how fucking stupid would it be if I said, Hey, Jamie, don't worry about building a 
seven figure business because the right business will come along when it's meant to be. Like you'd be like, oh, that's fucking, that's fucking stupid, right? Same. So why do why do we think that that would work in a relationship, or why do we think that like okay? So here's another one, right? So people want to go on a diet for six or twelve weeks, right? So what if I said, hey, I'm just gonna be a good husband or good partner for six or twelve weeks, and I'm gonna do all these different things, and I'm gonna court my wife for six to twelve weeks, and then after that, you know, I'm just gonna go back to doing what I was doing. Like it's stupid, right? So it's all like we have if you take the components of each one of these things and just kind of put them together and treat them all the same, then they will all thrive and, and your whole like life will be elevated in health, wealth, business and relationships, right? Yeah, I love this kind of whole mentality um, because it's exactly right. And I, I'm guessing that you didn't just magically come up with all of these different kind of approaches because what is very apparent to me is that you're obviously a very clear thinker and, and you are very intentional with everything you do. Where did you learn all that? I know you mentioned the Pitch Anything book, which is a great book that everybody should read who's listening. Where did you learn a lot of these principles? So we got Monks, the Pitch Anything book. What else? It was mainly just spending time at the monastery. And then Mm -hmm. like being at the monastery just showed me how to think for myself and just showed me how I I literally feel like the the 23, 24 year old version. So I'm 25 now. I feel like me a year ago was a fucking dumbass. And me two years ago was a really big fucking dumbass. Like I literally feel like I've just made so many different strides in the last six months to a year by just learning how to observe my thoughts and think about things and really learning. I've read a lot of relationship books too. And that's kind of, um, that's kind of, uh, helped shape, shape my thinking, but I don't just read things passively. I kind of like take time to consume them and really think about them and think about like how this fits into my life and the other areas of my life. So in doing that, um, I've really started to like put together this picture of how I, I want my life to be and how I want to think. Yeah, I love that. Do you, here's a question for you. So it's almost like when you went to the monks, you learn how to think for yourself. Do you feel like a lot of us are programmed to not think for ourselves because of, you know, school and the way we're raised and college and things like that? I feel like we think that we have this, we have the illusion of like free thought and free will and everybody thinks they think they, for themselves. But if that was true, how come? So I, I live in the United States. I live in Florida. Everybody in fucking Georgia voted for Donald Trump. Everybody in fucking New York voted for Hillary Clinton. So if you were born in New York, that automatically means you're probably going to be a Democrat. So why is that? Because of your environment. So that person did not sit there from a like clear perspective and evaluate both parties and, and all these different things. They just knew that everybody around them is voting for this person. So by default, I support this person. But they ju- then they start to justify it with logic, right? So if somebody who's born in New York is going to vote for Hillary and someone who is born in Georgia is going to vote for Trump, then we just have the illusion of free will because all those people think that they think for themselves and that they like this person because they're the best possible candidate. But in reality, they're they only the only reason that not the only reason, but the, the reason that they lean this way is because everybody around them leans that way. So being aware of that is the first thing. So then ask yourself, how many of how much of the shit that I think is only because of my upbringing and the people like my family and, and my family's thoughts and uh, and like religion's one of the biggest ones. Most people don't question their religion. They're just like, oh, this is how I was raised. And, um, and, and some people even have like just crazy philosophies. Like I knew this one girl in high school, her dad was super cool. Um, we would like go to her house. Um, those of you guys, and you guys are listening on, on a podcast, but I'm, I'm a relatively like dark skinned dude. Like I'm, I'm brownish. So her dad was totally fine, like having us over and everything. But the day, the day she tried to date like a Hispanic kid, her dad was like, oh, you can't do that. You have to date like someone who's white. And she's like, why? And she's like, that's how I was raised. And I was like, that's a terrible reason. Like 
just because that's how you were raised doesn't mean that your parents weren't fucking assholes just because they raised you. Like newsflash, like some of you could be listening. You could love your parents. They could have taught you great things and all that stuff. They could still be fucking assholes. So you should have to recognize that a lot of this shit, like, why, okay, here's another one. Why do we wear clothes? Like, why do we wear clothes when we're at home? <laughs> I, I, I bet you I, never wear clothes, JR. That's, that's what I <laughs> After the time when I'm at home, I'm, I'm totally naked if it's just me. But I'm like, why, like, why do I get up and feel like I have to wear clothes? Like, is that natural? Is it not natural? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying this is something that like is just so normal and it's environmental. So when you start to question the things that you do because that seem normal because of environment, you start to realize like, hey, a lot of the shit that I think is not really me thinking it. It's just because this is my environment. Like this is the shit around me. Yeah, I think that's where you can forgive parents as well because you can also be like, well, yeah, my parent is an asshole, but then I also recognize that that's not their own three thinking. That's just from their environment, right? So exactly. you're the person that breaks that mold and is going to think about, all right, well, no, I'm right. going to try. And then also so, like when you start to, to realize this stuff, you just forgive your parents for all kinds of shit because you're just like, oh, they're just human. They're they're having a human experience. They're doing the best that they can. Like I didn't meet my dad till I was eight years old. And for a while, it like fucked with me. But I'm like, dude, the, like when, when you get to the point where you're like, I don't need anybody and I'm so complete being myself and who I am and my like my girlfriend's not going to make me, my business is not going to make me, my family's not going to make me. You're just like, well, why did I need my dad to be there when I was eight? Like I'm uh, my own happy, complete person being who I am by myself. So it is literally the best possible gift that you can give yourself and give the world and give your family and everybody around you is the gift of just being yourself, accepting yourself and putting yourself first. And then you can also put hashtag woke in your Instagram bio and that also helps as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, this has been really powerful actually, JR. And a lot, of, a lot of what we talked about isn't really, I guess, specific about sales, but it is so specific about sales and life in general and just understanding this concept and I'm going to walk This is understanding people. So yeah. understanding people is sales. understanding sales. Yeah. And what I really love about this is that even after this conversation, I'm going to step away and really look at myself and say, where could, where am I making these decisions and where is my environment influencing me? So this has been super, super valuable. Is there, is there anything else that we haven't really talked about, which you, you kind of want to share with the audience as well? Um, JR is stroking his beard as he's deep in thought right now. <laughs> Just, um, just really like focus on like be aware of like where you want to be is at the point where you don't need and you're not codependent on anyone else and you can be happy being yourself and you can be yourself and not give a fuck what anyone else thinks because that is literally the only like I'm as happy now. So I, I when as I was turning 25, I read this uh, thing by this dude, Doctor David Bust, and he's basically says like when once you're 25, you are pretty much the person you're going to be for the rest of your life, and the only way that you can change your your shitty habits is through massive trauma. I don't know if that's true or not, but I looked at that and I was like, I felt really good. I was like, fuck, if I stay the same way I am now at 25 for the rest of my life, like I'm fucking happy as fuck. And I looked at, I thought about that when I had that thought and I was like, well, if I would have, if this would have been like me at 22, I'd be so miserable. I'd be like, oh fuck, I don't want to be this fucker for the rest of my life. But I've just learned to even, and, and the, the, like, I'm not perfect. I fucking sleep late a lot. I love to fucking sleep. I usually will, will sacrifice fucking business for sleep most of the time because I feel asleep 
is important. Plus, I just fucking enjoy it. I'll sleep late a lot of the time. I will be lazy sometimes. I will eat the wrong thing sometimes. But I'm also really, really good at forgiving myself and just being like, oh, that's that's not how I want to be. But whatever, like it happened, like not feeling guilty about it. So one of the things that I used to feel guilty about as I started to be aware of my feelings. So right over here, you can see there's that bookshelf. So anytime I would look at that bookshelf, I'd be like, fuck, look at all these books that I haven't read that I that I bought that are full of full of knowledge. I bet if I read all these books, I'd be making so much more money and I'll just feel shitty about not reading these books. So I learned um, to be a master of reframing. And I don't, I don't, I think I picked this up somewhere along the lines with the monks as well, but I literally re learned to reframe every situation in a way that's advantageous for me. So rather than looking at that bookshelf and saying, fuck, look at all these books that I haven't read. I'm such an asshole for, for spending like all this money on all these books and not even reading them. And they're just sitting here and I'm just being lazy. I look at it as like, now I just reframed it. And I'm like, how can I take this same situation and turn it into a belief that serves me? So I looked at the books and I said, Hey, isn't it awesome that I have all this knowledge that's just literally sitting here waiting for me to uncover it. And the day that I do have a very specific problem, the answer is probably in one of the pages of these books. Like, isn't that fucking fantastic that I can just pick up a book and open up to a random page and, and find something interesting. And then I have books sitting here about psychology and sales and all these different and all this knowledge that that's acquired that no matter what economy we're in cannot be taken away from me because I already own them. Like, isn't that fucking cool? So I started doing that with everything in my life, just reframing my thoughts to what I want to, to what I want to think. So any, any little situation that happens, like for example, my girlfriend pisses me off about something or annoys me about something like, um, perfect example. Um, we had a situation where she wanted me to like help her with some furniture or some shit, like pick up furniture. And I really wanted to do other stuff because we were like, um, I was in Vegas and like all this, all this stuff. So I thought about that and I was like, damn, this is really annoying. I feel like she's being really selfish right now and I don't want to do this shit, but I reframed it as like, and it, plus it was like 30 minutes away. And then we go to fucking pick this up and then we get there and, and she's like, oh, that table's too big. I don't want it. After we literally like already loaded it in the, in the fucking truck and all this shit. Right. So I, I could have looked at that and been like, wow, like what a bitch. Like, fucker. But I thought about it and I was like, wow, isn't it awesome that we got an hour in the car together uninterrupted where we got to like talk and get to know each other better. And we we had like this, this super cool experience where, you know, otherwise we might've just been like sitting on the couch or we would have been like eating or something like that. Um, it, like, And isn't it cool that it, like it's a nice day and the scenery is kind of nice. And then the funny thing is we, we like get to the place and it's like these people from Craigslist and the guy has like a Confederate flag tattoo, which those of you that aren't from the United States, the Confederate flag is like a super racist symbol. Um, it's literally the flag that the South used in the war that they were fighting for slavery. So this guy had like two of those tattoos. So I looked at that and I was like, oh, wow, that's so funny that that guy had a tattoo of a Confederate flag. And then he has to have like this black dude in his house to get this table. <laughs> like I just turned it into like a funny thing. So I just completely reframed that situation from like, wow, fuck this to like all the positives of like, and you can do that with anything. Like, let's say you fucking go bankrupt. You're like, oh shit, I get a fresh start. Like that's awesome. Not a lot of people get a fresh start in life. Or yeah. if you fucking like, I don't know, if you trip and fall and like break your, your elbow, you're like, Oh shit, at least I get to chill out for a while. And I get all these meds that, that get me, that I can get high off legally and not feel guilty about. So like, whatever it is, whatever happens to you, if like, let's say one of my family members passes away, like, well, that, that sucks, but it's, isn't it awesome that I got, you know, 25 awesome years with this person when some people don't get that experience at all. So not saying like, it's not okay to suffer and you're not going to 
feel suffering and pain and all that stuff. You can always reframe it as like another example. I lost a deal this week that was 12.5 K and I was mad about it for 0.02 seconds. And as soon as I was done and it was like, we got on the phone, I was seeing like what his needs are. I put together a custom package for this person. And as soon as, so he ends up not closing and got really, really close, ends up not closing. He's like, oh, I found someone to do it for like eight grand or something like that. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to match that. So have fun. So I literally thought about it and I was like, okay, what's the positive reframe here? I now have a new package that I can sell to someone else. So I started thinking like, who else would this package be good for? And I hit up like two or three of my friends, like friends, like these are people that were already in my life, didn't have to do any prospecting. I said, hey, I have something that I think would work for you. Um, let's get on a call this week and discuss. And because they're my friends, they're like, fuck yeah. So now in the next week, who knows, we could sell three of these that wouldn't have happened if I didn't lose the first deal and try to find a way to turn this into a win. And those customers are probably going to be better for you than the guy who is a, you know, a dick that wanted the cheapest price because he's probably not right. going to be a good either. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. And just a, just a challenge and to go back on the, um, the point you read about the book and you said you didn't know if it was true about when you're 25, you then don't change without trauma. Um, I'm interested about that in terms of the fact that you said that you can change your beliefs by you know just being aware and, and doing the stuff that you talked about um, on your monk trip and to figure that out. So do you, do you think that once you're 25, you can't be changed or do you think that without trauma, I wonder if it's because trauma forces you to try and find the change. Right. So that's what I'll, so I think that the reason he said that, I don't think he said that you can't change. I just think it's very difficult and unlikely. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because most people aren't thinking like this. Most people aren't trying to be aware of what, what their thoughts are. Most people are just like, oh, let me try a diet. Oh shit, that diet didn't work. Let me try another diet. Oh shit, that one didn't work. Let me try another one. So it's, it's just like these habitual patterns that no one's ever actually addressing. They're just kind of like going through the motions. So I feel like that is why diets fail, relationships fail, businesses fail because people just aren't aware of the root cause and just constantly not trying to get closer to being who they actually are yeah, I love and that. not I love putting that. themselves first. Like if someone who puts themselves first, like I, I'll never get fat. Like why? Because I value my self-esteem so much that I value that more than I value a fucking cheeseburger. And I've been fat, like I've been overweight. So I know what it's like, but I know that 100% without certain, without shadow of a doubt that I will not go back there because I know that I just value myself so much that it's easy for me to say no to Krispy Kreme donuts and in all this other bullshit. Yeah, dude, that's powerful. And the reframe thing is good as well. Cause I did that this week. Like I was beating myself up last week about I've, I'm in this $30,000 a year program and I'm like, fuck, I don't have time to go and take the courses. But then I said to myself, no, I, I'm thankful that I don't need to go and do that stuff because I know I'm on the trajectory. And I know that when I need something from there, like you said, with the bookshelf, there's going to be the knowledge in there that I need to help with. So I, I definitely, I've done that reframing before without realizing I'm doing it. So now I'm going to try and be a lot more conscious of it to try and make sure that I'm doing it as I go forward to the future. A lot of this stuff, it's interesting because I think a lot of people do this on autopilot without realizing. And it's just mm -hmm. that like people can be good salespeople automatically because that's just the way that they are without realizing the reasons why that's working. And then you have other people who are a lot more intentional with it, right? Yeah, exactly. Dude, I love that so much. Well, listen, JR, this has been a hell of an interview. It's been a lot of fun. I think it's great to see behind the curtain on a lot of your thought processes and how you do this. If somebody wants to follow along and enjoy some of the hilarious crap you put on Facebook, where should they go? Uh, just go to Facebook, type in JR Rivas. You can also find me on Instagram under JR Rivas and uh, on YouTube as well. Same thing. Awesome, man. And we'll we'll drop those links down into the show notes for you guys to check out. JR, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been a blast. And uh, yeah, I guess maybe we'll have you on again in the future. Yeah, thank you. Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. 
One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high-ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.